0: to sixty-six point six FM, Radio, radio. TOVH, um, the flush. Oh yeah, you're listening to another thrilling episode of the Toilet of Hell Radio Show. It's me, Joe Thrash and Kill. Join today for the October Spooktacular. I've got my right hand man. You know him, you love him. Uh, he is the golden boy, the internet sweetheart. Sometimes we call him the 365 Days of Horror, but most of the time we call him Jordan. Jordan, how are you?
1: I am good. I am just about ready to put a jack o' lantern on my head to record this show properly and be in the spooktacular spirit. I mean, I, I've been waking up
0: every day. I set my alarm to the Monster Mash. Uh, and, you know, when I'm going to work, I listen to it another nine or ten times. Uh, It's it's getting me in the right mind frame, I think, to to do this show properly, but we might need to listen to the Monster Mash like three or four more times on this episode, just to be sure. I'm just going to eat a lot of pumpkin pie. We can do that too. Uh, Jordan, I'm I'm actually going to change how we
1: do things on this one. I'm going to have you introduce our guest this time. So we are joined by a special guest on this episode, someone I've known, at least on the internet, longer than Breno longer than you, Joe, going back about probably 14 or 15 years back to the Metal Realm message boards. And we are joined by someone who knows horror very well because that's his entire life. Joining us for this episode is the horror guru. How's it going? Yeah,
2: it's going pretty well and pleasure to be here.
1: Very excited to have you with us. Uh,
0: for folks that don't know, you uh, you li- you also like to talk about horror, although uh, you know you make it uh, your main thing rather than talking about I don't know how Sebastian Bach and uh, the guy from Falling in Reverse are beefing, I guess, and calling that metal. <laughs> uh, you you spend your time actually talking about uh, talking about horror on your on your channel on YouTube. It's uh, is that blood splattered cinema is what it's called. Yep, blood splattered cinema. Uh, on there, I have two shows
2: one is called blood splattered vlogs which is just a conversational format with me and my best friend talking about whatever horror movies just came out that week Um, and then we have the other show blood splattered cinema which is what the uh, channel is named after and that show is way more of a fully produced videos in which i go over the history of the movie that i talk about usually it's like a classic splatter movie And I talk about like the production that went into it. I talk about the history of it. I talk about the fan response. And I also kind of make fun of the movie out of love and uh, and uh, give my uh, critical thoughts on it as well. And that I don't produce as often as the vlogs because the vlogs are very easy to do because it's just me sitting down on a couch with my friend and talking about a movie. Um, But they are like the main draw of the channel, um, the more complicated videos.
1: So how did you get started doing the YouTube videos?
2: I got started doing the YouTube videos basically way back when, when I graduated from college. It was right in the middle of like the um, – what do you call it? Uh, the uh, – I guess economic downturn that – recession, happened. yeah. Recession, that's the word I'm looking for. And uh, unfortunately, uh, going around trying to get a decent job after graduating was pretty shitty back then. So on the side, I had started a my YouTube channel just for fun because there was a bunch of other people making similar types of content as I started off doing. And I liked all what they were doing. So I was like, OK, I could do that, too. But talk about horror movies specifically. So I uh, started the channel and it's now 10 years later and I'm still doing it. So it is what it is.
0: Well, I think that's a, a more productive use of your time than what a lot of my friends did during the recession, which is uh, go to law school. <laughs> Huge mistake. Um, that's pretty cool, though. Like, I, I was looking around at your channel today. Uh, you you really have been covering uh, the latest things. So I'm like, oh man, I was, I just saw Barbarian the other day. You know, you're talking about it here, and uh, I tried to watch some of the monsters, the monsters the other day. You got you're on top of it. So uh, it's it's kind of rad that. Um, do you do you try to stay on top of things like as soon as they come out or do you let it uh, rattle around in your brain a little bit before you tackle it?
2: I try to stay on top of them as soon as they come out, but, but sometimes just things don't work out. Like, um, when I'm doing the Blood vlogs, they usually turn out better if it's me and my friend sitting down as opposed to just me talking about it. So I try to like schedule it so that he and I can sit down and talk about the movie. But sometimes he's not available until a week later. And so the video comes out a week later and it just is what it is, you know.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, I understand completely. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, like, you know, this we're we're kind of um, – we're in a, an embarrassment of riches right now. Uh, is there any uh, particular gems that you'd like to, uh, to recommend to folks uh, before we dive into our particular movie of the uh, the week?
2: Well, Barbarian is definitely one of the movies out right now that I would highly recommend. Another one I would highly recommend is Pearl. Um, Pearl is kind of like a – I don't know if any of you are familiar with the movie Maniac where you kind of follow like a serial killer and, and he goes around slashing people. It's kind of like that that but with a girl set in uh, 1918
0: (laughs) Um, I I have to ask you this because I've been curious about Pearl do I need to see X first
2: you don't need to though it will enhance the experience Ah. so you can see X first I'd recommend it but if you don't have the time you, you can see Pearl and enjoy it just fine
0: being in a bit of a rush for time, I might just have to see Pearl first and then see the uh, the the sequel later. Or what is it called when it's not the first one, but it's not the prequel? What, how do we do chronology here, Jordan?
1: The original. The original. Let's go with that. Uh, for doing so much, you know, movie reviews, watching, and uh, obviously specifically with horror, uh, is there maybe a specific subgenre in horror? Or a particular thing that horror does that you personally try to avoid watching? Like maybe you're not into torture or uh, I don't know which movie or something like that. Something that you don't care for.
2: I have a wide variety of tastes. So I guess the closest thing to come to that would have to be – I don't know if you've heard of the vomit gore uh, sub (laughs) – their go-to is a subgenre that's a lot like torture porn but just with people vomiting all over themselves constantly.
1: Um, is there any like story or reason for that or is it just an hour and a half of just people spraying clam chowder on each other?
2: Most of the time there isn't much of a plot but sometimes they'll have like some bullshit, "Oh, we're just performing a ritual and so we're, we're going to vomit on this chick for the next hour and a half." And uh, it's it's about as good as it sounds pretty the, awful
0: this is completely foreign to me is there like a what is i don't know the et of vomit gore <laughs> like what's what's the big one the citizen cane of vomit yeah
2: gore? <laughs> that would probably be slaughtered vomit dolls oh def- jesus
0: of course that one yeah i don't know you ask a stupid question <laughs> Uh, this Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I'd never heard of any of this before, but uh, Jordan, we've got a whole new
1: thing to check out for next year, don't we? This is a real question. Do people enjoy that beyond like fetish or kink? There's, do people like sit down and go, hell yeah, we're going to watch this?
2: Well, there are two types of people that enjoy vomit gore. The first type of person is kind of the person that I usually am. And that's the person who seeks out the most fucked up movies they can and just kind of takes it as like a badge of honor that I've sat through it. I endured that
1: movie. Um, And the second type of person
2: is, yeah, fetish people
1: like people that fetish. Are you ever uh, affected by like watching the most fucked up things that you could find, like is it ever too much? And it's like, okay, I, I got to watch My Little Pony for a while.
2: Absolutely, uh, absolutely. I um, I had the experience when I first watched a Serbian film for the first time. Oh yeah, I just needed to kind of like be alone and like, like find a way to. Pick up my spirits after watching it. And the thing is, I actually enjoyed that movie, but I enjoyed it because of how awful it was.
0: Like the whole thing about it is like it's an artistic statement about like this is this is what our culture produces in terms of art. And it's it's awful and offensive to the senses or whatever. And I get that. But like what you made out of this is I just I don't I
1: don't vibe with it, dude.
0: <laughs> Not for
1: everyone. Definitely not. Now, this is uh, mostly a, a metal podcast, and you do like metal as well. I know, like I said, going back, we're on the same message boards. Though we do have to give you a little bit of a hard time because you like one band that we can't quite figure out, and that's Ice Nine Kills.
2: Oh, man. Well, of course I love Ice Nine Kills. It is both metal music and horror stuff, so, you know, I... I dig their songs and I dig the uh, the references to the horror movies and it's just kind of my jam.
0: I guess what's been confusing to me uh, about Ice Nine Kills specifically is like there there is a there's a ton of bands that are deeply indebted to to horror, you know, and uh, and, and 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 kind of make it their whole shtick. And I don't, uh, I guess, I don't understand how Ice Nine Kills became like the band that everybody knows for for that particular thing. And it seems like it happened overnight, Jordan. Unless I missed something. <laughs>
1: I think they've been around a while, but I mean, they lean into it even more than like death metal bands do, like even more than a mortician who half their song is just a clip from Dawn of the Dead or something like that. With Dice Nine Kills, it's like they get dressed up and they have the, the expensive, fancy looking uh, green screen videos and just uh, people eat that up. I think it's because their
0: their main guy's handsome. I think that's that's really been a boon for them versus all of the horrible
1: looking rubes we know in uh, in metal bands. Um, is when dealing with metal, we obviously have our like awful sub fans and people that just get too worked over over just music and taking themselves too seriously. And I know that happens in the horror community as well. What do you think is worse? horror film fans or music metal fans
2: metal fans by far
1: um
2: I, I i love heavy metal music but fans okay let me let me let me i make the same distinction with the horror community there is a vast difference between metal fans at a concert and metal fans online Um, metal fans online are some of the worst, most frustrating people you'll ever deal with, but at a concert in person, they could be some of the coolest dudes, um, or chicks. They could be like really fun and cool to hang around. And they're not going to sit there and judge you all day, but online, they will judge every single thing about you.
0: (laughs) Suppose that is true. That has been our, our whole thing for a while there, Jordan,
1: isn't it? It has not it its but I do see you on Twitter getting into it with, uh, all sorts of people either trying to defend something or like telling people to back off and just let people enjoy things
2: absolutely absolutely that's my my main thing i do on social media is get into arguments with people which is not good for my blood pressure but hey it's i haven't been able to stop myself from doing it yet
0: i mean that's what it's there for it's a box where you get to you know you get to engage with the rest of the world in whichever way you want to and sometimes you get to, you get to fight with people it's fun and uh, nobody's like you know physically around you to fight you <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we brought you on here for your expertise to review a horror movie and you chose hard rock nightmare and i always have to catch myself because i want to say rock and roll nightmare which is a movie we've done before and we've interviewed john michael thor on this show so always have to be careful it's not that movie it's this movie so it's hard rock nightmare uh, why did you choose this movie
2: It's very simple. I was, like, browsing Shudder one day, and I stumbled across that movie and realized, holy shit, it's an 80s metal exploitation movie I have never seen or heard of before. So I watched it, and around the time I had watched it, you had messaged me about doing the podcast, and I thought, huh, maybe we can do this one because uh, it is a metal podcast and it is a horror movie. It'd be the great, greatest way for us to cross over is to talk about one of those. And they probably have talked about the other more well-known metal exploitation films. So let's go with this one.
0: I mean, that's fair. I think we have actually, this one was brand new to me.
1: How about you, Jordan? I I knew the name, but I mean, we've done rock and roll nightmare. I've seen hard rock zombies. I've seen black roses. Uh, I know there's a couple more out there. Um, so yeah I hadn't seen this one I just knew the name and didn't really know anything about it so just kind of went in blind and uh, sometimes that's good sometimes that's bad and we can get into uh, why it's both good and bad to oh, do something boy. like that can we <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I, I have a lot of uh, criticisms for this movie but I, I will say uh, that the opening scene uh, for this film is strong as fuck <laughs>
1: Oh, it's yeah. such a good, like, three minutes.
0: Uh, I, it, it wastes no time. You don't see, like, you don't hear any music. You don't see any names introduced or credits or anything like that. It's just straight to it uh, in a black and white flashback sequence. And it falls off after that. But that opening, opening couple of minutes, I feel very
1: strongly about it. <laughs> so do we want to? get into reviewing the movie and talking about it or do you want to talk about the people behind the movie first
0: so i i worry about that a little bit jordan uh i don't want people to 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 dump out of the podcast immediately
1: but we should probably let them know what they're in for shouldn't we we should now our good friend Hargu, do you know who is behind this movie
2: yes i do i do
1: did you know before
2: you had us watch it or after no clue. I, I m- mainly did my research on the movie like a couple days ago.
1: That's <laughs> one of those things where you like you just watch a movie and you go, oh, You know, "Rosemary's Baby" that was a lot of fun. Who did it? Ah, shit! Nope. God damn it! So,
0: I think the first thing that I noticed with this movie, I was I was looking at the um, you know the opening credits. I am like, uh, Stephen Bayo. Surely he's related to Scott Bayo. I am like, oh yeah, it's his uh, his brother or whatever. He's a producer, has a bit part in this movie, and I am. Messaging Jordan about that And then he's like, dude, did you see who actually wrote And directed the movie?
1: <laughs> well, who was it, Jordan? Dominic Brasia, Who uh, was a writer, director, actor People wouldn't really recognize His name all that much Unless you Google it And see a couple of news stories That he was in later in his life uh, At first he Was, he did a An interview with the National Enquirer where he blamed Charlie Sheen for sexually assaulting Corey Haim. And not too long after that, uh, Corey Haim's mother, uh, Corey Haim passed away in 2010. Uh, Corey Haim's mother said actually Dominic Brazia was the one who assaulted her son and went into a lot of detail and specificities about it. Uh, this caused Dominic to drop out of life for a while. Uh Getting off of social media, locking his Twitter account, only to resurface years later as a right-wing dirtbag AM radio host. So uh, I think that he, I think that shortly after
0: these these um, accusations came out from uh, from Corey Hame's mom, like I think he died like sh- six months later. <laughs> I think that he, he had uh, gotten into the uh, the radio game like uh, maybe 10 years prior to that on AM radio in, uh, ah. I think, first Sacramento and then Bozeman, Montana.
1: That hot media market, Bozeman, Montana.
0: You know, media jobs are hard to get, so you got to take it where you can get it, I guess. Uh, very fucking strange story for, you know, what we all kind of thought was uh, – a very fluffy, uh, you know, hard rock exploitation eighty slasher.
1: Now, does that take away your enjoyment of a movie when you realize people behind it are, you know, obviously very bad people?
2: And it can, though I'm so used to it at this point. It definitely doesn't affect it as much as it used to when I was younger. Um, but uh, what makes this one even weirder, though, is if you actually look at the credits of this movie... There's a special thanks section, and in the special thanks section of the credits of this movie, he thanks both Corey Haim and Corey Feldman. What the fuck, dude? <laughs> oh
0: man, that's fucking weird. <laughs> yup. Um. Oh, God, i I don't really, I don't really know what to do with this, man. Like, uh, it's a, uh, it's not quite the same level as like, uh, uh Jeepers Creepers or something like that, because. I mean I I thought that was a much better movie than this one. <laughs>
1: All right, what do you what do you think, Jordan? Yeah. I mean, Dominic Brash is dead, Corey Haims dead. What what can you do about it now at this point? Um, I guess if you want to watch something like this, he's not getting any money from it. So it's kind of like reading HP Lovecraft like you're not boosting him anymore he's not going to get a, a a new deal out of this because you bought a book or you watched this movie so it is a snapshot in time it is a b borderline c horror movie that uh, not a lot of people have seen uh does one or two things that are mildly interesting and and uh does have a little bit of heavy metal hard rock connection so people can make the decision for themselves. It's on Shudder now.
0: It is. Uh, yeah. Shudder, uh, or I think you can watch it on YouTube as well. Um, it's worth noting, uh, my, my wife sent me, uh, this, uh, this interview that, uh, Corey Hames mom did with, I think it was people, uh, actually you sent it to me as well, <laughs> Jordan. Um, <laughs> And she, she she continues on there saying that uh, also Corey Feldman's a fucking scumbag who's just using uh, the memory of my son to like make money. I'm like, damn, go off. <laughs> Ew. Uh, so good uh, good for her uh, for calling it like she sees it. Uh, doubly. All right, we've gotten we've gotten through the the particularly weird and gross parts of this movie. Uh, and again, we haven't even touched the movie yet. So should we should we move into it?
1: Let's talk about the movie itself.
0: Okay, so um, I would like to, uh, if, if I could, uh, read the description that is on Shudder uh, when you scroll over it. Is, is that all right? Yeah. <clears throat> the bad boys are hot. Jim and his band need a place to rehearse. And the isolated family farm was perfect. No neighbors, just the band and some girls. Rock and roll and party before the big concert tour. Unknown to the group... Jim is haunted by the memory of a demented grandfather who traumatized him as a child with stories of being a werewolf. The terrified child drove a stake through his grandfather's heart and years of treatment have not erased the guilt or the lingering fear of his grandfather's revenge. Twenty years later, the horror returns. On a full moon night, the revelry of the band is shattered as a two-legged wolf brings slaughter to their party. Jim draws close to insanity as his friends are butchered, and he must finally confront the terror from his past. Let the nightmare begin. Did I do good with that? Was that okay?
1: Yeah, that was very smooth.
0: Thank you. Uh, This is uh, this is uh, this is pretty in in depth here. This uh, this uh, this description that Shudder offers up here. You know, reading that, knowing nothing else about the story, is that something that you would be like, yeah, I got
1: I got to watch this shit right now yeah i mean there's like uh we said there's the heavy metal hard rock connection it does sound like a lot of other movies that came out around the same time but uh you know i have an affinity for 80s horror movies and i don't know if that's the same for you guys but it's if i saw that description for a movie that came out today i might be less interested but it being 80s kind of schlocky i think that adds a lot more fun to it and more of an incentive to watch it
0: i think that's fair i mean there's some of the phrasing here that i you know i, I love writing so things like uh, getting ready for the big concert tour is a very funny phrase to me <laughs> like are you are you planning on taking your band on a big concert tour jordan no not too many concert tours for me okay um it's uh it says here that um In the description, of course, uh, the thing that sticks out the most here to me is uh, the terrified child drove a stake through his grandfather's heart, which is pretty fucking – I mean, that's pretty pretty heavy there.
1: That's the first three minutes of the movie. Like you said, it starts off in black and white with this grandfather talking about drinking blood and werewolves, which was a little confusing because – like they're talking about werewolves, but there's also vampires in there. But he
0: says that- he straight up says I'm a vampire, and then he says I'm a werewolf. And I who I don't know who the 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 actor was that played the grandfather, but he was by far the the best at his job in
1: this movie. So do do we think that was intentional to conflate vampires and werewolves, or was this just? a line was flubbed and we just we went with it or we wanted to have the stake through the heart scene and all we have is this werewolf mass to work with so we're just gonna mush them together. That's a good question. What I
0: assumed was like uh, inept writing, that could just be a limitation like ah we we can't afford <laughs> Dracula shit. <laughs> so what do you think, Guru?
2: I honestly think they just didn't think too hard about it. They knew they wanted someone to have a stake in the heart and they knew they wanted a werewolf later. So they decided to put both in there.
0: So this this again, the opening scene wastes no time. You have this uh, black and white sequence, uh, this uh, grandpa uh, talking to a little boy and saying things like, um, I'm going to kill your whole fucking family and drink their blood. (laughs) With the grandmother actually calling him an asshole. She's like, you're such an asshole. He's like, <laughs> and he just, he's like, t- terrifying this kid. He's like, I'm a fucking Dracula. I'm a vampire. I'll fucking suck your blood. I'll kill you. I don't give a shit.
1: <laughs> and he he's, calls him a pussy. He
0: calls him a little <laughs> pussy. And he's like, all right, well, I'm going to go take a nap. You deal with that little shithead. And it's like, Damn, this guy sucks.
2: <laughs> you know, what? And he gets
0: what's coming to him.
2: Yeah, looks around and finds
0: out, you know, that's <laughs> this, this fucking eight year old cub scout, like his grandfather is sleeping in a, in a, in a, in a hammock immediately after like, just verbally abusing the shit out of him. Like really, really emotionally abusive shit. He uh, comes back. He has a, a stake that he just dives, drives right through his heart. uh I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> uh, this, this movie has some, takes some liberties with how people actually interact with each other, but this might have been the strangest one.
1: <laughs> there was a lot of people don't act like this in real life uh, situations throughout the movie, and we can get into it more because uh, after we have this little flashback, we flash forward uh, a number of years, and now everything's in color. And I assume this is in California. They don't ever establish it, do they? I don't believe so, no. You're on the West Coast. Does it look like California? 100%,
2: especially when they're driving to the, uh, to the uh, farm, it's 100% looks like the
0: California um,
2: 101.
0: All right. Well, we got uh, these cool California rock and rollers then. I mean, this is uh, – what, what year was this movie made?
1: 1988.
0: Okay. If you're like a rock and roller in California in 1988, that might be like put you on par with being maybe one of the coolest people on the
1: planet at the time. Glam metal was the big Not glam metal, hair metal was the big thing So this was the time for it And we get multiple mentions Of David Lee Roth throughout this movie Uh, As you should He's he's a cool dude (laughs) So we have this band The Bad Boys Which is just one of the worst names you could have for your rock band in a movie i i kind of like it i think it'd be
0: funny if a band like uh, did it ironically nowadays now like with a z at the end i think that'd be pretty cool
1: <laughs> with like all leather jackets and pompadours and yeah. leaning on stuff and smoking
0: i mean like the zoomers have brought back the dangly earrings so i think it's appropriate for right now i think i think it'd be i think it'd work out
1: would you see a band called the bad boys
0: oh fuck no no absolutely not <laughs>
1: <laughs> would you <laughs> I got to see what the gimmick is, but I don't know. <laughs> the gimmick is that they wear uh, Beatles wigs. The, the gimmick is that uh you can't take them home to mom and dad, right? Oh, there we go. I like that a lot. They skip curfew, they spit on the sidewalk. They they, they smoke.
0: Yeah, I I think that I think that'd be pretty tight. Um so we we we're we're you know, in the present or we're in 1988 rather I should say and uh this band is a uh, you know all hanging out in the house going out to the garage to perform together I've got a pretty good idea in my mind of what this hard rock band sounds like but I'd like to go round table uh, does anybody have a comparison that they would like to make guru uh what does what uh, the bad boys sound like to you
2: um hmm I hadn't really thought about what they sound like um yeah I'm not I'm not sure what I would describe them as
1: uh, Jordan do you have an idea 80's soulless rock like something that might be in the background of uh, John Hughes movie
0: I feel like uh, you're you're not giving uh, John Hughes much credit for his uh, soundtrack choices there <laughs> now, for me this sounded exactly like Brian Adams like uh, you know the uh, fucking summer of 69 guy I could see that especially when they have the, the ballad later on yeah uh, really um
1: it's not very hard rock. It's it's
0: not very hard rock and no. As a matter of fact, I would might classify it as soft rock if I were being generous.
1: And the thing is throughout like the movie there is hard rock music. There is like borderline heavy metal with a band that I can't find anything about elsewhere. All I could find was a clip from this movie featuring their song. A band called LA Thundercats with a Z.
0: When was the show Thundercats on TV? <laughs>
1: Uh, Mid '80s.
0: Okay, so it would have been contemporary with this then.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think that's why they had the Z in it, so they wouldn't get sued.
0: But now there's a guy now that's Thundercat. There's too many Thundercats. We gotta we yeah, gotta cut the,
1: the out. He was the bassist for Suicidal Tendencies for a while, and now does his own thing.
0: Yeah, uh, he's really, really doing pretty well as well. But at the same time, like you get everybody's gonna stop calling himself Thundercat. It's done.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so the band plays in their garage this soft rock tune and. I, I don't know about you guys, but when watching a band play on in a movie or on a TV show, I try to see if they're actually playing. And there were moments where it was obviously not like hitting the right notes. Just there's cymbal sounds, but the drummer's not hitting the cymbal.
0: I do the same thing Uh, with that song in particular I was trying to figure out like I had a notebook in front of me trying to figure out what the fucking rhyme scheme for this thing was because it did not work in any like uh, any conventional metric that I know of (laughs) is rhyme when you feel like it otherwise it's okay Rhyming too much isn't always good in songs. I agree with you. At the same time, like uh, if you if you do the thing where you know you don't rhyme all the time, but you do it sometimes, like it's supposed to follow some kind of conventional like you know A B C A thing. You know, it's didn't happen. It just didn't happen here.
1: You're the bad boys. They don't have to follow any rhyming schemes. Yeah, fuck you, Wordsworth.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, what what was the song about? There they were singing the song "Hard Rock Nightmare,"
1: right? yeah they were singing the theme to the movie hard rock nightmare
0: seems appropriate i suppose but we never hear it again
1: never hear it again uh they're
0: they're playing in their garage uh there's some there's some babes over that are hanging with them and they decide to open up the garage door as they're jamming out so the whole neighborhood can jam with them and that's a big mistake man you can't do that when you're rocking too hard
1: what happens because they live in a nice suburban neighborhood in California and the police are called and they tell them to pipe down you crazy kids.
0: Yeah. That was a, uh, yeah. And that was uh, where, um, Scott Baio's brother comes into play <laughs> briefly <Yeah>. there.
1: <laughs> Guru, you record a lot. Uh, do you ever get complaints from neighbors? Like you're being too loud. What's that screaming? Why is there blood dripping through the walls?
2: Once, uh, when I was filming, uh, a bit that required me to scream really loud yes we we did get some complaints for that but overall
0: generally we haven't had much problems with that Jordan have you, uh, you got paper thin walls at your place people get mad at you when you're podcasting
1: uh, if they do I never hear about it but I definitely do have thin walls because <laughs> I can sometimes hear my neighbors talking or sneezing or their phone ringing and yes they still have a landline because they're roughly 80 years old so oh, you know if they complain, I just hear them in the hallway complaining about me. <laughs> I wish I was kidding. I mean, like, same time, they're, they're old. What are they going to do?
0: Step to you? Please. Die. <laughs> uh, okay, so we, we, we've we've performed our theme song. Uh, we've stabbed our grandfather in the chest and killed him. Where are we at here? This this is kind of where the, the movie melts into a puddle for a while. So I actually need some help from you guys to recollect where we're going.
1: So at this point, um, because the police have been called and they tell them, you know, stop making all this racket, they need to practice somewhere else. Now, I know the description said, like, for their concert tours, but I don't recall any concerts ever coming up. So they're just looking for a place to practice. And it turns out he's the guitarist, right, Jim? No, Jim is the
0: the singer, I think.
1: I thought Charlie was the singer.
0: Charlie's the guitarist.
1: Ah, oh, see, it's two funny-looking white guys with brown short hair that wear leather jackets, so they blend together for me, but OK. But Char- 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 the- Charlie's the
0: ripped one. He's got, uh, you know, he's got like a washboard abs and shit like that. Right.
1: He's the hot one. Yeah. Got it. Um, so, Jim, who was the little kid who murdered his grandfather, uh, he has an uncle, Uncle Gary, who apparently has a lot of money. Um, talks and talks with an interminable accent. <laughs> uncle Gary is my favorite character of this whole movie, and he's only in two scenes. Really does.
0: He really does. I think he speaks like Judge Smales and Caddyshack. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it is that type of character and I, i know he's like an old actor who has been in way more things than anyone else in this movie so i i appreciated him slumming it and hamming it up um he's with his assistant dirk who's a big dumb idiot and um it turns out that jim's grandmother had left him The farm the family farm slash house where you know he murdered his grandfather i guess she wasn't so upset at him for that that she still left the house to him Uh, much to the chagrin of uncle gary who you know is trying to talk him out of it are you sure you're okay are you having nightmares anymore and um you know they, they they play it off yeah he's okay we'll take care of him and they borrow uncle gary's winnebago and The band and all of their uh, floozy girlfriends uh, join with them, including Jim's girlfriend's friend, Sally, who's very, very interested in Charlie.
0: Sally is one of the strangest characters I think I've ever seen in a movie, and that her motivations, her actions, her entire psychology vary from scene to scene, and they're all negative, (laughs) just wildly different from each other and negative.
1: (laughs) It's like I said before, there are some people or some actions in this movie that like they don't act like any normal human being would and that's mostly her character let's let's go round table before we get too deep into it uh, who is everyone's character who, who is everyone's
0: favorite character guru did you have a favorite character in this one
2: uh, i was a, i was quite fond of the drummer
0: same uh, <laughs> because
2: like there is scene in this movie where he is not twirling his drumstick just to remind you that he's the drummer um, but more importantly, there's a scene later on where he's in women's underwear and he's the only one who looks 100% comfortable doing it. <laughs>
0: he's, he's He's full on dong out. He's happy with it.
1: He's owning it.
0: Uh, no, I, I I love the drummer. Uh, he, he was a cool dude. I, I, I thought about, you know, if I were 10 years younger, I might consider watching this movie during the game where you take a shot every time he twirls his drumsticks. <laughs> uh, fortunately I'm too old and, uh, I can't handle that anymore, <laughs> but you
1: younger kids listening to this, you should give that a try.
0: Uh, Jordan, who was your favorite character?
1: Like I said, uncle Gary, is Gary, my favorite character, yeah. despite only being in two scenes and just wildly entertained by him. But, uh, as far as like the band members go, I, I got to agree drummer. Uh, he's kind of like a eighties Valley guy. He had that vibe to him sort of, uh, like Bill and Ted almost. Um, kind of like the only character with any sort of unintentional depth to him. <laughs> and um, I think my least favorite is the the band has a sound guy which is very funny and he's the most detestable person I think other okay. than Sally.
0: Okay wait I, I really could not keep track of there were three blonde guys in the band. There yeah. was uh, let's see there's uh, the drummer who was blonde but uh, you know he was cool we love him. Uh, there's a uh, there's a version of him with like a a rounder face
1: uh, the basis sammy the
0: basis i fucking hated the basis he was a really tall guy okay wait no 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 because i think that we're mixing it up there's the tall guy the tall blonde guy and the shorter blonde guy with the rounder face
1: there's two blonde guys with rounder faces the shorter blonde guy is the sound engineer or whatever
0: okay all right i could not keep this shit straight yeah that guy sucked
1: a lot but so did the other blonde guy Yeah, the names don't matter, especially in a movie like this.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Names, when we who who they are in the band,
0: right? So Oh, and they have the keyboardist too. There's a keyboardist who uh, who's got the cool glasses and a dangly earring. Uh, lenses. Wait, he didn't have lenses in (laughs) him.
2: And they actually pointed out in the movie when the when the girl uh, the groupie chick is trying to hit on him. He he points out that he doesn't actually have lenses in the glasses. He just wears them to be cool. Damn, that, that,
1: <laughs> it's it's a look that he's going for. Uh,
0: yep. So th- there's a lot of there's a lot of ladies with him as well. Uh, there's uh shit. Uh, there's uh, Sally. Sally is Jim's girlfriend, right? Yes. And there's uh, Tina who is there for reasons that we can't really determine. Not there with anybody in particular.
1: No, no, that's Tina's the girlfriend. Shit, really? Yeah, Sally's the weird one. Okay. Tina. I think, right? <laughs> no, I think you got it backwards, man. Shit. Tina's the Yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, Tina's the blonde one that's awful, and Sally right. is Jim's girlfriend, and then there's the bassist's girlfriend, Connie. Connie. Okay. <laughs> We're fucking killing it. We got all the characters here. <laughs>
1: So, they hit the road in their big Winnebago, which they put their own poster on, which I've never seen before. <laughs> they put their own band poster on the side of the Winnebago and they drive through the day and the night. Um and at this time Tina is hitting on every member of the band to the point where she's like making out with all of them, stopping, giving a little look to Charlie and then continuing on with her making out. Now, I know the Zoomers like to use red flag as a term for things that they don't like. This is a red flag.
2: Oh yeah, she was a walking red flag from the get-go.
1: <laughs> like,
0: she instead was de- toxic.
2: Dev's <laughs> <laughs> going up to Charlie and being like, hey, I like you. Uh, I want to be with the lead guitarist. Instead of doing anything like that, she tries to make him jealous by trying to get with everyone else. But then like, gets mad at them when they're let on it's like really
1: weird it's like you want to make out with me but i want to ask you about charlie tell me everything you know about him
0: really just um a character that uh, all over the place but wildly unpleasant in every scene that she's (laughs) in they're 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 hitting the road uh i believe it's sally who's like hey by the way everybody something horrible happened to jim
1: here at uh, the farm so be sure to be nice to him <laughs> now that we're all trapped in this winnebago and he's asleep five freed from us you shouldn't know that he's out of his mind and murdered his grandfather and we're going back to the place where he did it i feel like they should have said something
0: earlier about that you yeah? know i don't know
2: dreaming of all of you as
1: zombies Hard rock
2: zombies, you could say.
1: <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's... Throughout the movie, there's, like, occasional dreams from him, but, like, not a lot, too. He has, it's kind of a weird thing to include for the movie, but, like, not make a big deal out of it, or make it some sort of, like, story focal point. It's just... We have three minutes to kill. Let's put something scary in.
2: Yep. And they're trying to do this, like... Um, who done it scenario where you're not sure whether he is the one doing the killings or whether there's a random werewolf or whether or not it's his grandpa risen from the grave that's now killing people, but uh, it's it's very obvious that um, they had no idea what they were doing when they made this.
1: I got a lot of uh, Slumber Party Massacre 2 vibes with the uh, dreaming that something bad is happening, but surprise, it's not. Like, I, and I'm sure there's more examples of it, but this it was kind of like an 80s horror movie cliche or, or trope where it was like the fake out, this is all a dream, or this one little scene that's actually cool didn't really happen
2: it's cause, because everyone wanted to be Nightmare on Elm Street but no one had the budget to be Nightmare on Elm Street it's
1: basically or, or creativity That's
0: <laughs> <Yes>, exactly <laughs> so I think that uh, if we skip ahead a little bit because we have large sections of this movie where nothing really happens it's an hour and a half long but I'd say that you could probably cut it down to 45 if uh, you were a little bit more judicious with your editing alright let's get into our first kill of the movie Guru can you tell us what happens there
2: so, basically, the bassist is trying to hook up with Tina, the groupie chick, and the, Tina doesn't really want to hook up with him. So, he tries to force her to first give him head, and she doesn't want to do that. So, then he tries to force her to give her, give him a hand job, but he gets her name wrong while uh, moaning, while she's doing it. So, she storms off, like, you can't even remember my name. And then the werewolf shows, off, shows up and slaps his head off, like, bitch. <laughs> It off like real real easy
1: like whoosh. uh, it's probably the most bloodless decapitation I've ever seen in a horror movie <laughs> I, I, it was merciful though
0: I couldn't wait for that guy to get off my screen I fucking hated him
1: <laughs> and and at the same time uh Jim is in his room with his girlfriend and he gets a phone call and it's a really awkward obviously one-sided phone call where it's like who is this? Grandpa, you're going to kill me? Oh no. Um, so, so that was weird.
2: yup. yep. I a special given what happens later.
0: Very very strange overall. Uh we're, we're hitting some awkward pacing, we're hitting some really strained dialogue. Um, you know, uh, Tina lets everybody know what's going on, and everybody, of course, uh, briefly freaks out. Pretty soon, they stop caring that their base got their got his head slapped off. Like almost immediately, they really stop caring. Um, they're they're trying to figure out like, oh, what what should we do? And uh, I believe at some point, uh, Connie and who's the other guy? Sammy. Sammy uh, decide that they're going to look for help or some shit. What exactly
1: are they going out to do? <laughs> Yeah, it's their friend and bandmate has been brutally, horribly murdered and they're not too sad about it. I mean, they're freaked out. Like, you know, oh, that's really weird. What is happening? But they all stay at the farm. (laughs) They try to make a phone call to police or to like the park ranger that's supposed to be nearby and the phone doesn't work. But again, they're all still really calm about it. And uh, Connie and Sammy agree to like go out and find help. I guess, go find this park ranger, do something. And they get distracted pretty easily and just get lost and decided to get high.
0: They decide to get high in bone. That's a, it's an important distinction there because you know, this is not this is an eighty slasher. You can't do that. That's against the rules. You race. have
1: to do both. It's a requirement.
0: Exactly. Um, really like, uh, before they get high, after they get high, completely baffling choices of their dialogue. Uh, I believe that Connie says, uh, are you sure you know where we're going? And uh, he replies to her, I wish you would stop complaining. Which is, those two don't match. Those those two lines don't match. They don't.
1: And she says, boink under the moonlight, which how has that not been used for like a song intro by a band?
0: boink under the moonlight is a pretty good one i like that a lot
1: like boink has never been a common term for that unless it was like maybe in the 50s and even then
0: i I believe that he also says like we're gonna bone super hard
1: (laughs) (laughs) just the sexiest pillow talk going on i love it i love it um i am i am going to give it to you with
0: my penis (laughs) um you know i uh Jordan, I, I I know you don't. Uh, you, you've never smoked reefer, uh, Guru. Have you ever? Have you ever smoked pot? No, no, I haven't. Okay, I uh, I've, uh, I guess I've, I've done a lot of drugs, but I've never been like a. I've never smoked pot, and I was like, "What if I was Marianne and this was Gilligan's Island?" And it's like, where is this coming from?
1: <laughs> See, I, I've been around people who are high, especially in like high school, and I think they would do stuff like that, but they were just stupid high schoolers. That's fair. I
0: I don't know how old the the kids in this movie are supposed to be because everybody looks alternative like they could be 18 or 40. <laughs> I, I can't tell. That was just the way 80s was, I guess.
2: Yeah, pretty always get the 30-year-olds to play your 18-year-olds. Yep, yeah,
0: that's that's how it is. Uh so, uh you know, Connie is uh, is baked and uh Trying to decide if reality is more like Gilligan's Island or more like Lost in Space, uh, when the two stone kids see what they think is a dog, which is very clearly a man in a furry costume, uh, and they decide that they want to beckon the dog slash man in the furry costume closer to them. Uh, as that happens, uh, <laughs> Connie is eviscerated, and it takes uh, her her boyfriend way too long to figure out what's going on as he, she's like covering him in gore and viscera. I, but you say
1: Gorin Vizzer, but it's very light splatterings of blood to the point where he's like, oh, that tastes bad.
2: He, he has an initial reaction to the blood, but there's not enough blood for him to actually react to. But he he does his performance anyway.
1: And then later, more blood gets on him. It's it's really awkward yeah he had to hit his mark and there wasn't enough blood on him to to say anything yet but they ran through it and again acting like people who aren't real no one would actually act like this because they're like oh it's such a nice doggy come here dog when it's clearly someone in a mask in a very very bad furry costume which they do actually explain later which I kind of appreciated but uh, again I think it was just a way around having zero buttons.
0: I guess that's a good explanation for it then. Um, No, I I think we can chalk up their odd behavior to all of this as, you know, being under the influence of uh, of drugs. Uh, You can't you can't trust a reefer. Uh, And they clearly were. So they had it coming Uh, back to the cabin. Is this where Jim is falling asleep and seeing visions?
1: I think so. I think this is
0: around this time. Let's call it that because I think this was maybe one of the few bright spots of the movie where uh, Jim in his dream sees his bandmates uh, wearing lingerie and they've decided that that is going to be their gimmick uh, and, uh, and his, their ladies are wearing uh, their underwear instead and this is deeply disturbing to him.
1: <laughs> and at the same time he has no shirt on but he has his camo pants still on. Well Dell, you're a rock and roller you gotta have camo pants on. <laughs> And we've talked about how like the acting is bad in this movie and the deliveries are bad and the lines are awkward in this like three, four minute dream sequence. Everyone was awesome. They all like learned how to act and to have facial expressions.
2: Absolutely. One of the best parts of the movie.
1: What happened here where everybody got
0: it together, where just everywhere else it was a big, a big old cluster.
2: I think they were having fun. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: guess it'll be. It, it. It, it's fair. That's the most fun the movie has. Uh, it's probably the most budget they used getting that underwear. And yeah, all the band members are dressed up in their girlfriends and ladies' underwear, and uh, they gather around the table. And Jim is all horrified, while everyone else just again has the best facial expressions. They're all delightfully over the top and having fun. And they're around the dinner table and they pull off a platter and it's the murdered band member's head, like eh, who then throws up pea soup onto Jim.
2: Yep. It's been- pea soup too.
0: <laughs> that was my favorite visual effect in the entire movie. The, uh, the severed head puking on Jim. I, I really appreciated that.
1: I mean, we we say the severed head did it, but uh, it's obvious that someone was just off screen throwing a can of Campbell's soup at him. Yeah. I mean,
0: that- they did, not, uh, they did not hire Tom Savini for this one. <laughs> <laughs> it is not The
1: Exorcist. Uh,
0: but still, very cheap fun there, I would say. Uh, and again, uh, the, the high point of this movie, aside from
1: our, our fucking sociopathic grandpa at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> I mean, if they had like three or four more scenes of that in the movie, it would have been a much better movie. I agree yeah. with you. It's like they spent all their creativity in those couple of minutes.
0: Well, um, getting back to the present, I guess circa 1988, I I kind of lost the plot here. What's, what's going on?
1: Is this the scene with Charlie and Tina? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so we finally find out why Tina is acting all weird and super interested in Charlie. It's cause she's writing a story because her cousin has a magazine and the story is about how the band is okay but Charlie is the real star. She uh that's one of the uh, David Lee Roth comparisons
0: there. It says that he's a he's a David Lee Roth-esque, you know, sex rock god or whatever. and
1: Mick Jagger.
0: And Mick Jagger. Uh it's worth noting that uh David Lee Roth and Mick Jagger, I believe are Singers, and he is not
1: <laughs> maybe that's the way I was confused, but also, I mean, how old was Mick Jagger at this point in his fifties, yeah, probably
0: fifties, no,
1: yeah. yeah, you couldn't use someone like Brent Michaels, for example, who was popular at that moment,
0: I mean, yeah, I suppose there are any number of guys you could have grabbed from eighty eight uh
1: Lizzie Borden.
0: That's, yeah, everybody was horny for Lizzie Borden back in 88. (laughs) Weird
2: about those comparisons she makes is that he has, like, very short hair. And she's comparing them to all these these, uh, rock stars that are famous for their long hair, especially at the time. And it just, it's a weird comparison to make because he doesn't look like any of them.
1: Or act like them or dress like them. Or perform
0: the same instrument. (laughs) These are minor quibbles. We shouldn't. We shouldn't pile on too hard. Uh, so, she's like, I've got uh, you know friends in the industry. We can really break you or whatever. Uh, but you know, we got a bone, uh, and uh, so 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 they bone. But uh, Tina, Tina is not so happy about it. She kind of lays into him about it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it. It turns out Charlie has a garbage dick.
0: He's got that garbage dick. Sorry. A <laughs> one second man. Uh, so he, uh, he busts too early. Uh, she doesn't like it. She's pretty unhappy with him. He um, says that he tried his best. She's like, oh, I'm glad I got your
1: best. <laughs> <laughs> She's pretty mean to him and then kicks him out of the room.
0: And t- Charlie uh, is not so great either. He's like, I bet you're a lesbian. <laughs> She's like, if all guys fucked like you did, I would be. <laughs> Just burns left and right and again it's another one of those just like she's unpleasant in the entire movie but it's another just sharp change to her character where she's just so direct and so mean to him it's like just shocking for how how she's been previously in the movie
1: uh, nonsense character she just could have talked to him directly and gotten all this out of the way she didn't even need to go on the trip for this really that's yep. that's true
0: um, weird things start happening here Jordan can you, can you give me a, an idea of where we're at
1: don't, doesn't the drummer and the keyboardist then go out looking for Connie and Sammy slash going to the park ranger's house?
0: Yeah, and that's that's kind of a big waste of time. Not much happens with those guys. <laughs> like they wander around for a while. Eventually, uh, what is it? Uh, the uh, the keyboard player gets killed by um, by the furry guy, uh, and uh, you know the uh, the guitarist Charlie. There, he sees him. And he grabs him, and he goes, "Why?" And that's pretty good there, I guess. He's grabbing him while like uh, the keyboard player's
1: eyes are clearly opening. <laughs> and uh, then we have Jim like trying to talk about how this this is a werewolf. It's a werewolf. I'm not making this up. We have to make silver bullets.
0: Yeah, and he figures out the the melting point of silver pretty quickly. Yeah, uh, he does. I thought that was pretty impressive like I've never done that have you guys ever you know melted silver
2: I thought it was pretty clever the way he had like made a mold out of clay by like, like just sticking the bullet in and then remolding a bullet out of it like it was like oh man that's that's pretty ingenious for a guy who uh
1: is this crazy <laughs> who we, we find out was uh found innocent by reason of temporary insanity why, like he never went to jail, and why he's just been seeing therapists since then? Now I know California has uh, some different mental health laws from the rest of the country. Like I know fifty-one fifty is a thing in California, right? Because of yeah. Van Halen, yes. <laughs> Where like you can be committed for like twenty-four to forty-eight hours against your will.
0: Uh that's actually something that happened I, in most states that's uh yeah. that's a pretty common thing. The 5150 thing is uh, the Van Halen thing. I think it was a code like an old law code for psychopath on the loose. <laughs> uh we'll we'll get into the Van Halen lore on another episode though. Yeah, involuntary psych holds happen all the time all over the place now. Good
1: to know just in case.
0: Yep. Don't yeah, don't don't do that to me. Don't do that. To me. <laughs> Um, So, yeah, he uh, he, he, the temporary insanity thing, that's only a thing that's ever happened in in shitty movies, though. I don't think anybody's ever been felt found innocent due to temporary insanity. I don't think that actually exists.
1: Uh, This is posed or presented as a werewolf movie. Uh, and I know like between the three of us, we've seen a lot of werewolf movies, uh, when it's like time to kill the werewolf, do you like the getting ready scenes, the, the making the silver bullets, getting strapped up with silver sticks, anything like that? Or is like, at this point, do we all know? How things work, you know. It's kind of like with zombie movies, where people don't know like, like what are these things? How do we kill them? Or do you just want to be like, yes, we all understand what a werewolf is? Let's go. What
0: do you think,
2: Dura? Honestly, it can be fun depending upon how you film it and how you do it. Like a good old like getting getting your weapons together montage can be can be fun, or it could be boring as shit if you don't do anything interesting with it. So it depends. This movie's kind of in a weird place it doesn't really do a montage it just kind of he just comes out and says that he needs to get silver bullets and starts melting shit
1: <laughs> I think they say it's a silver picture frame
0: yeah yeah uh, I, that was odd uh, I also appreciate that you know uh, Jim uh, appears with his gun out of nowhere and the ladies are like you should probably quit waving that around and proceeds to shoot a lamp <laughs> he's like good it works <laughs> I needed to know it works, uh, dude. You should have shot that outside. Then what the fuck? It's foolish. You're you're not being very safe with this gun. Uh, so yeah, I, I guess like you said, took a picture frame, a silver picture frame, somehow melted it down and uh, molded uh, molded bullets out of it. Um,
1: what what the fuck happens with with Tina here? I was gonna ask you because I wasn't sure because she just ends up in a well at some point
2: Uh, yeah Charlie is attacked by a werewolf and she runs away and hides in a well basically is what ends up happening
0: so she ends up in a well and covered in I believe it's gasoline right
1: yeah we see a human hand pouring gasoline down into the well
0: Yep. Uh, followed by a match followed by boy just one of the worst effects in the film I think just not even no effort no effort on this uh you know f- well on fire i was pretty disappointed by that one um can you describe what it was here cuz it's like if we, i know they didn't have after effects by then but just imagine like a you know when somebody tosses something in aquity and hunger force and it just explodes and catches on fire
1: <laughs> it's like someone put a jpeg of a, an explosion and just put the cursor on one of the corners and just pulled it out a little bit. (laughs) I'd say that's about right. Yes.
0: Yep. Sounds about right. Uh, So this, this will take us, I believe to near our final showdown. Uh, Jim finds a piece of
1: fur on the ground, right? Yes. Fur that uh, they find out is not real fur, but is like cloth felt and has a made in Hong Kong (laughs) label underneath it.
0: Yeah, so uh, at this point, uh, the um, the werewolf thing, the, the furry guy appears, and uh, and uh, Jim pulls out uh, pulls out the gun with the silver bullets and and puts two of yeah. them. Uh, which we immediately realize, like you went through a lot of effort to like smelt silver down into bullets
1: for no no good reason here. Uh, what did he find? It is not really a werewolf, which anyone with eyes could have told you was the case, <laughs> because it was a cheap Halloween mask of a werewolf and just a really bad costume.
0: Yeah, the uh, the guy had um, gloves that had steel fingers and razor fingertips or whatever. I Probably not enough sharp enough to cut off a man's head that quickly. But I, you know, I didn't I didn't write the movie. So don't come at me. Uh, who, who was it that was behind the mask?
2: It was Dirk, um, the uncle's assistant guy.
0: Yeah, I, they were like, it's Dirk. And I said to my wife, who the fuck is Dirk?
1: <laughs> Someone we saw for 30 seconds.
0: <laughs> At the very beginning of the movie, I'm like, oh, this whodunit. Like, Guru, you said, like, it's posed as a whodunit. But, like, that's a, that's a bullshit whodunit. <laughs> <laughs>
2: person makes no sense given the head just flying off and shit like that it's so weird
0: so weird so you know dirk's on the ground dead as fuck uh and uh and we have the real final showdown here in which like i'm not going to go through the effort of it because it seems like a lot of work but i do want to sample a couple of lines from this final showdown here
1: (laughs) jordan can you tell us about it it turns out that the real villain of the movie isn't a werewolf Or vampire, or even Dirk. This was all the plan of Uncle Gary. It turns out that beneath the farm is oil, and he wants to get at that oil. And rather, and and it's established that Uncle Gary has money because they mention he mentions like Dirk awaiting the limo, uh, which he then has to explain as the long black car because Dirk's an idiot. (laughs) So Uncle Gary has money, and rather than buying out. Jim, who obviously doesn't have any money Or, you know, offering to Take over the house for him Or even saying, you know what, there's oil Let's split the money He decides to just Murder a whole bunch of teenagers To get at it And then to blame his son Not son, his nephew uh, Who has a previous murder under his belt That he went insane And was talking about werewolves And now all that oil is going to be mine Kind of a convoluted plan when you lay it out that way, you know? It's just, why not be like, hey, I will give you $10,000 so I can have the house, because it means so much to me, if you want to, you know, lie about it, or just be like, hey, good news, we're all millionaires. What if I rented
0: you a practice space in town? (laughs) (laughs) You
2: know. Kind of like Scooby-Doo-ass reveal, really, like... (laughs) I wouldn't have gotten away with it too if it weren't for you meddling kids.
0: Like very much so. Um, I think uh, I think the, the the thing that I I most wanted to sample here uh, was you know uh, Uncle Gary's threatening them. He's got a he's got a revolver in his hand. He's like I'm gonna I'm gonna kill you and whatever. And uh, I believe it's at that
1: point that Charlie punches him in the balls. <laughs> well, Charlie's like begging for his life, like you know, please don't kill me, Mister. <laughs> and Uncle Gary's like, all right, I'll kill you last, kid gets punched in the balls which he says
0: oh my balls (laughs) see Uncle Gary's the best (laughs) really fucking good really really A plus stuff here Uh, and then yeah fucking Jim plugs him again with the fucking silver bullets he didn't need to use in the first
1: place just completely bloodless shots by the way (laughs) like if we thought there was zero blood before there's like none now and he does have the best line of the movie where after he shoots him he says fuck you Uncle Gary yep that's it that's
0: the other one I wanted to clip
1: <laughs> fuck you Uncle Gary
0: <laughs> like that should definitely be on the next mortician album Um, so yeah uh, Gary is uh, you know he's bleeding out there even though you don't see any blood and he's like oh gosh I'm sorry Uncle Gary we'll get you to the hospital you'll be okay he's like no I'm, I'm dying and Guru what, is he, what does he tell him there uh, when he's like, I'm, I'm dying.
2: He's gonna see him in hell, and he's gonna come back from the dead and get him. Like,
0: <laughs> like, what? What is the deal with Charlie? With the Jim's family here, the 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 older men in his life are very, very cruel. <laughs> yep. I don't know. So um, that's, I believe that's it. I believe that is our our hard rock uh, nightmare. And I can tell you, it was it was in fact a, a nightmare, if not hard rock. Uh, Close cl- closing thoughts on on this film, Guru. What do you got?
2: Uh, my thoughts on this movie are is that it is a bad, terrible, cheesy '80s metal exploitation movie. But like a lot of those movies, and as terrible as they are, I kind of like it. I kind of like how bad it is. There's just something kind of charming about this shitty ass movie, and that's taking all of the problematic elements of it because. You know, which is like yikes and then you got like all the 80s ass homophobia going on throughout the entire movie and that stuff's pretty yikesy too um but even with all that like i i kind of like this stupid whodunit metal exploitation slasher with the werewolf that's not a werewolf i kind of dig
1: when it comes to the bad movies do you have a limit for that as well like is a versus crocosaurus too bad for even you to enjoy
2: yeah yeah absolutely there there are movies that just have like zero entertainment value um regardless of um what they're trying to do and movies with zero entertainment value like they're not fun in a cheesy way they're not fun in a, a terrible way they're just boring just com- from start to finish I, I can't really do those and um there's definitely like sci-fi original movies. If you've ever seen those movies that are on that tier are, are usually like some of the worst movies to watch. Um, but this here, this, this has got some stuff that I kind of like. It's got terrible eighties rock music. That's not hard enough, but it's, t- but I like that shit. It's dumb. Um, it's got uh, a guy in a terrible werewolf costume running around lobbing people's heads off. It's terrible, but I like it. And, uh, everyone talks like they're in a 80s porno instead of a uh, uh, a real movie and uh, that's entertaining too so that's where I'm at with it
0: Jordan what are your thoughts on this
1: one I think there's a couple of fun entertaining moments in this movie like fuck you Uncle Gary is very funny to me just the character of Uncle Gary itself funny to me um it it didn't know what it wanted it to be like there's the who done it there's the werewolf part there's sort of vampires there's people acting like no human would act um some of it's a little funny intentional or otherwise um watching this i i couldn't help but like pick out scenes or things about it that i recognize from other movies like a band going in a van to a farm so that they can practice and record that's rock and roll nightmare. That's the whole basis for rock and roll nightmare, except that's weird demon stuff that doesn't make sense. And this is weird werewolf slasher stuff that doesn't make sense or the dream sequences that are like fun, but don't really add to the story or do anything about it. So there's a lot of little pieces where I think this was kind of at the point where, A lot of horror had already been done and redone and redone to the point where you just get a schlocky, like I said, B, pretty much C horror movie that is fun in its lightness. It's what 80s horror movies just kind of – if you don't know uh, or if you've seen a lot of the ones that are already out there, this can kind of be a fun like Saturday Night with Friends, Hidden Gem, like throwing popcorn at the screen and just having a laugh at it type of movie.
0: I think, I think that's fair. I, I would encourage folks, you know, try to have a drink every time the drummer twirls his sticks. I think that'll make it an even better time for you. Um, I think that if anybody out there would like to sample the line, fuck you, Uncle Gary, for me, I would really appreciate it. I will send you a couple of bucks on uh, Venmo as well. Uh, thank you. Uh, aside from that, I think we probably ought to call it on this one. Um, Guru. If we want to see more of your content, where should we go?
2: Uh, go to YouTube. look up Blood Splattered Cinema or, or The Horror Guru. Either way, you will find me. I am uh, I'm easy to find that way.
0: Uh, Jordan, if we want to see more of you, where do we go?
1: You could follow me on Twitter and tell me how cute I am at 365 Days of Horror. All
0: right. And if you want to see more of me, uh, send me money and uh, I'll send you pics all right patreon.com slash toilet of hell oh that too that's that's also the thing that we do yeah we do bonus shows over there uh next week what what do we got going on dude
1: uh next week we're going to have a longtime friend of the show have us watch a russian horror movie from what the 60s
0: yeah man uh v-i-y how do you pronounce that you're the russian guy
1: uh let's just go with v all right there you go it's on uh, youtube and Guru, what movies are you going to be doing in the next couple of weeks?
2: Uh, probably Hellraiser is going to be the one that we're going to be doing soon um, when we finally get a chance to watch it in a couple of days. Are you
1: excited for that?
2: Oh yeah, I'm definitely excited for that. Like Every Hellraiser sequel has been terrible and well with the exception of Hellraiser 2. Hellraiser 2 is great.
0: I'm a big um, fan of the third one with the CD guy. <laughs>
1: I hope he makes an appearance. I
2: <laughs> love the third one but for all the wrong reasons (laughs) Um, but uh, the trailer for this looks like a legit good Hellraiser movie for the first time in years so I'm pretty excited for it
0: there you go folks be sure to follow up with Horror Guru to check out thoughts on that Uh, and hey uh, I guess we'll see you next time how about that huh rock on bye nailed it fucking nailed it 66.6
2: FM Radio
0: Radio. TOVH The Flush